welcome again to the Strange Brew podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and that was John Lodge and Peak Hour from his new album, Days of Future Past My Sojourn, his recreation of the classic Moody Blues album. And you'll know John as bassist, songwriter, and singer in the Moody Blues. So we'll be covering his solo work and the Moody Blues. So let's hear my chat with John. Hello, John. Hi, how are you doing? Are you currently in England, are you? Yeah, I'm in Cobham in Surrey at home. Brilliant. So what? obviously what I want to talk to you about is your fantastic new version of Days of Future Past, My Sojourn. And uh, we've already heard the advanced track of that peak hour and have been really, really impressed. I've read the idea for this started to come from some of the live dates you're doing. Is that right? Yeah. During COVID, I recorded stuff in my own studio and... Uh, Rather insular. Yeah. But I thought, what are we going to do when COVID's gone and I'm back on the road? And I started to think about the concert and I thought about all the classic Moody Blues songs and everything. And uh, while I was talking with Alan Hewitt, my keyboard player, and my daughter Emily, who manages me, we realized it was the anniversary of Days of Future Past. And uh, I think jointly with thought, I wonder if it's possible to do Days of Future Past live. We did a few uh, live concerts with the Moody's Days of Future Past, but it was really short-lived. And I thought, I really hope we can do that. And I thought, how do I do that? And I, I thought, I need one big tick to do this. And it was Graham Edge. Yeah. And I went to see Graham and said, Graham, I'm thinking of doing Days of Future Past on stage. Would you record your poetry for me? And you'll always have a place on stage with me. And I said, I will also film you and you'll be on the screen on stage with me. And he said, John, I'd be thrilled to. He said, I've never recorded my own poetry, and I would love to do it. And great, keep the Moody Blues music alive. And uh, I did that. Unfortunately, Graham never saw it uh, on stage, which is a big disappointment. But when I was performing the album, I thought, hey, this is pretty good. The reaction was really good. And uh, Emily said to me, you know, we should really record this. Days of Future Past. So we went to the studio and there we recorded the album. And uh, I'm really pleased. The, the band, the 10,000 Light Year Band, they really played well. And uh, I'm really, really pleased for them as well. Because Graham's uh, voice, including, say, for example, on Late Lament, it's really interesting listening to your version of the album now compared to the 60s. The passage of time really adds a different dimension to things. It really does. I felt an incredible emotion listening to Graham saying it because it came from deep inside of him because he wrote it. And when I heard it, I thought, yeah, that's Graham. That's Graham in all his glory. And... Uh, yeah, they did uh, that with me as well, you know. The time thing is strange because day one, say, we made Days of Future Past, and now I've made another version 
trying to keep the same emotion of their album because I, I think Days of Future Past is a very emotive album. But the new version, I wanted to be more 2023 and uh, probably more energy because today's music is more energy, I think. gathering gloom. Watch lights fade from every room. Bedsit to people, look back and lament another day's useless energy spent. Impassioned lovers wrestle as one. Lonely men cry for love and have none. New mother picks up and suckles her son. Senior citizens Wish they were young. Cold-hearted orb that rules the night removes the colours from our sight. Red is grey and yellow white, but we decide which is right and which is an illusion. It's also an opportunity to to shine a light on some of the songs that maybe didn't get as much attention as last time, including one of yours, "Evening Time to Get Away." I don't neglected is the right word, but certainly with this version, you can really uh, put it out there. Yeah, and it, because, you know, on the first version, is mixed with Amalgamator to Tuesday Afternoon. It didn't have its own place. But it has, the song itself has its own place in the album, in everybody's life, you know. And uh, I was really pleased. I think the band really nailed it musically. Yeah. And also hearing John Davison from Yes on Nights in White Satin as well as uh, Tuesday Afternoon as well works really well. Particularly for me, Tuesday Afternoon, it's a great version of that. How did you guys um, come across each other? You're right. I've got to say, Tuesday Afternoon on this album, there's something special about it. There's a fantastic drive on this version. It really is. In 2019, I did a tour of America supporting Yes. And during the concert, for their encore, Yes, play Imagine, because Andy White was a drummer with uh, Plastic Owner. And they asked me if we would join them on stage singing Imagine. So uh, as one of my favourite ever songs, I said yes. And I joined them on stage singing Imagine. And then I said to them, if I'm joining you, can John join me for my uncle, Ride My Seesaw? And he joined me for Ride My Seesaw, and uh, he's been on every concert I've done since. Not only that, <laughs> my daughter and he got married as well. So is my son-in-law as well. But it's great. It's fantastic.
just the kind of day to leave myself behind So gently swaying through the very land of love If you'll just come with me, you'll see the beauty of In terms of the original version of Days of Future Past, I've read that you honed a lot of songs before you went into the studio. We been we went to a little village in Mukron to start writing our own songs. Um, we wrote a lot of songs before Days of Future Past, but Days of Future Past dictated its own album, really. When we knew what we wanted to do with Days of Future Past, we dedicated the songwriting to exactly that album. And uh, everything we did before was just left alone, you know. 
uh, and we just recorded Days of Future Past. There's a version of Nights in White Sand that you did on the it was the David Simmons show from '67, and it's a really tight version. So you must have been really well rehearsed. I, I think we were. We, we we loved playing together. It was really good. It was exciting. And when it was our own songs, we weren't playing some a song that someone had written for us. So every part of every song, we'd invented ourselves. And we wanted to play each part exactly right and new, and like no one else had ever played uh, that particularly part to a song before. And that was exciting about Days of Future Past, creating something that no one else had ever created before. That gave me a great fill-up, you know? You are saying about Dave Simon show and all that, the first time we heard Nights in White Satin was in a radio show for BBC. Ah. Uh, we had to go into the studio and record some songs and recorded uh, Nights in White Satin. And you have to remember, I only re- hear the bass part, you know. So when we went into the control room and listened to the finish, no one, none of us had ever heard what the actual song sounded like. And we were actually taken aback. It really was, well, what have we done? Nights in white satin Never reaching the end Letters I've written Never meaning to send Beauty I'd always miss With these eyes before Just what the truth is I can't say anymore Cause I love you in hand Just what I'm going through They can't understand Some try to tell me Thoughts they cannot defend Just what you want to be You will be in the end
never reaching the end Letters I've written Never meaning to send Beauty I'd always miss With these eyes before Just what the truth is I can't say anymore solo album uh, 10,000 Light Years Ago. There's a great track on the called uh, Those Days in Birmingham. That goes back to your early years, does it? Yeah, but that goes back to uh, school days. And uh, Eddie's Cafe is in there where where I used to, when I was 13, 14, I used to go there every lunchtime, put a coin in the slot and listen to these rock the jukebox playing all my favourite rock and roll songs. And that's where I really became hooked on bass because I realised all the songs I was listening to on the jukebox always had a great left-hand boogie piano playing. Fats Domino, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, I started to learn all these patterns on a guitar and playing on the bottom four strings of a guitar. And it was the energy that turned me on. I thought, it's the energy that on rock and roll I love. Even on a slow song, there's still energy. And that's why on Night Who Wants At It, I wanted to put the bass part, give it some energy. And um, and also there's a, a line about a J2. The J2 was the van we used to drive in. And it always used to break down, but it was a fun being 16, 17, 18 years of age, driving around the UK in this van, pulling up to gigs and uh, writing your own name on the, in lipstick, <laughs> as we all did. You and Ray Thomas went way back, well before the Moody's. Yeah, I met Ray when I was 15. And we became instant friends. And uh, I actually taught Ray to drive. Not very good, <laughs> but I did. And uh, it was great because my mum and dad and his mum and dad, because of Ray and I's friendship, became really friends and used to go on holidays together. And uh, it was great. But Ray and I had great, great fun growing up together and must have been together like bloody 60 years of <laughs> a long time and uh, yeah it was great fun
ride my seesaw, that epitomizes the driving bass. Was that written on bass? It's uh, my Fender Precision Bass playing on that. And uh, it's a bass I bought. I think it was the very first one in Birmingham. And uh, I'd never seen one before. I'd never seen one. Uh, I saw Jerry Lee Lewis came to Birmingham, but it didn't perform because he, he, his marriage thing, 13-year-old girl. Uh, yeah. But there was a band on that called the Trinias, who were also in The Girl Can't Help It, I think, the movie. And they were on. And I saw this guy in the back playing what I thought was a Fender Stratocaster, and I realized it wasn't it. Only it had four strings. And that was the very first Fender electric bass I saw. And I think I thought, that's what I want to do. And uh, I remember going to the music shop in Birmingham called Jack Woodross, yeah? And one Saturday morning, because all the musos went there, and you pick a guitar or play something, or you learn something from another guitarist, you know. And I went there one Saturday, and the, in the window, there's this thing direct from the USA, Fender Precision Bass. And I thought, that was it. I have to have that bass. And uh, I remember going home and telling my father, come on, you've got to help me. And uh, we went up and bought that bass, and uh, I've recorded nearly every Moody Blues song with that bass, and I've recorded a new album with that bass. It plays differently. It's I don't know what it is, but it's some something magic in the bass, whether it's because of all the touring it's done over the years, but it plays differently.
And you made so many amazing albums after Days of Future Past. Taking, for example, to our children's children's children and your wonderful song, Candle of Life, you've managed to bridge moving away a little bit from the orchestration and being able to create a more band studio sound? I think so, yeah. I, I, I think we were always experimenting. And it was strange because after In Search of the Lost Chord, we went to America for the first time, and we saw America, and we saw not just America. It's really difficult to explain today, because America then was different to America today in our minds, because the cars were bigger, everything was bigger, the uh, jukeboxes were everywhere, everywhere I went, put and played music everywhere. And the radio stations, you could play music all day long. And uh, it was a different place. And uh, of course, we were other bands. Candide was big friends of ours. We toured with them a lot. And Jefferson Airplane. And I think it changed our way of doing things. We were really working well together as a band. And then we started to think, well, when we go to the studio, let's keep it tight as a band and record really as a band.
Strange, which is another one of your pivotal tracks. Do you think that's a theme? The lyrics of your music is that many of them present your feelings about what it's like to be alive and going through life. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. When I was 15, 16 and started writing, it was always like, I love her, she loves me, blah, 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 blah. And then when I really started getting to my, I don't know, serious writing, I suppose, there's sort of a homespun philosophy in the writing, I think. And uh, I really like that. I really like to have layers in the writing of my songs and put them to the right piece of music that I think goes with that song, you know. And uh, like singer in a rock and roll band, it was two different themes going through this song. And... Uh, the catch line, I'm just a singer in a rock and roll band, just sums it all up at the end of the day, you know. You've got a humility there. So you've got Isn't Life Strange with a bit of, as you say, homespun philosophy, but you've got the humility with I'm just a singer in a rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all I am. That's all I am. Thank you. 
the Moody Blues coming back in the late 70s, a different sound at, at times, synthesizer. And, and then again, one of the key Moody's tracks, Stepping in a, a Slide Zone. What was the inspiration for that song? When we recorded what became the Octave album, I was never too sure it was the right time to make the album. Never too sure. And also we were recording in America, and it was the first album we were going to record outside of the UK. And while we were recording, so many things went wrong, not with the band as people, but we recorded, started recording at the record plant, and the record plant burned down while we were recording. Uh, that's one. I broke my arm, another one. I recorded half of the album with a broken arm. I had it set with, I put my bass there and said, set it like this so I could still play. And I did that. It was awkward getting in and out of cars, I tell you. <laughs> arm up the air, Mario. And then private lives in the band between guys and wives, that started to fall apart. So we lost our producer during the making of the album. He dis disappeared. And so it really left it to Justin and myself, I think, to continue making the album and producing it. And uh, then we went up to Indigo Ranch in, the, in Malibu. And we, while we were up there, was the worst floods ever. And the mountain slid down the hill. And we stuck up in the mountain in the studio for days. We couldn't get out. And uh, stepping in a slide zone seemed to conjure up everything to me that was wrong. Or fighting the tide, probably. So, yeah, fighting the tide. And uh, But it's a great album. It ended up being a really nice album, but it was really uh, hard work. But it was a great learning experience for us because after that, we went and recorded Long Distance Voyager and that just flew out of the uh, record stores, you know. So, but Octave, I really like it. I enjoy listening to that album.
You mentioned long distance Voyager flying out of the record stores, and one of the reasons for that was Gemini Dream, of course. And your part of that was inspired by a wish to get the band back on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to write the song saying, Let's get back on the road, be who you are. Because I'm a musician, I like to play, I like to perform, you know. And we had a band which could really perform. And I really wanted to get back on the road. And uh, so I, I knew about this a long time, no see, short time for you and me. I uh, had that in my brain. And actually, the first uh, incarnation of it, roughly, was uh, it was called Touring America, uh, not German I Dream, Touring America. But that was like the engine that's started us on that road of the long distance voyager.
wanted to close by asking you about a song that I, I think you you um, re-recorded it before the pandemic on your very best of album, and that's Street Cafe. Oh. We were talking earlier about certain tracks from Days of Future Past that were a bit neglected, and was it that Street Cafe needed a bit of a wider airing? I think, I think Street Cafe was a happy song, a really happy song. Kenny Jones joined me on the drums for that, and on the video, Kenny's on the video playing with balloons and all that. It was great. It was really ha- trying to be a happy song, but, yeah, it, it was relating to exactly the same as the layering. It said the music played from the street cafe, right? That could have been in London. It could have been them. Or it could have been me as a 13-year-old at school going in to listen to the jukebox. And it was all those things, all those emotions in there, yeah, I think. I wish you all the best of the release of uh, your version of Days and Future Past, the cover of that album. We were talking about the resonance and the passage of time. That's you and your wife, isn't it, on, on the cover of that? Yeah, I was, my guy was normally does all my artwork, is doing the artwork for the album. and. Um, it was going along really, um, really exciting about the album. And it was my wife's birthday. And in Cobham here, there's a place called Painsville Park. It's like an 18th century manor, you know, the grotto, fairy grotto and all that. Yeah. And uh, I said to my wife, we should go walk through there. And my son came along with his wife. And we had a fantastic afternoon just wandering through the woods. There's a vineyard there, and it's brilliant. And she took a photograph of my daughter-in-law, and uh, she sent it to me. And I looked at it, and I thought, that is exactly Days of Future Past, my sojourn. That is exactly what I'm trying to say with the new version. And I didn't, I didn't question it. That was it. I told everybody, forget what you all do. This is the sleeve. And, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased with the sleeve. It's really calm. It's really calm. I, I like that. It's, uh, it's a passage of time with no time going through, if that makes sense. You couldn't have summed that up any better, John. It's been an absolute pleasure and privilege to talk to you and um, a brilliant way of... Uh of recapturing the magic of one of the greatest albums of all time by one of the greatest bands. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jason. Good luck to you. And uh, thank you for the interview.
say I could be falling for you When nothing makes sense I'm taking a chance That you are falling too So tell me then When will it end? Rest in me Rest in me Thank you for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests to support me just go to the strangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the home page thank you very much Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.